0: Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. All right, hello, everybody. I'm here today with my good friend, Jeff Gould. Hey, Jeff, how's it going?
1: going well
0: good good um and if you guys recall we did a uh, he was on before on the podcast but he and i have so much fun talking we got a chance to see each other in person recently in uh montana um and uh we ended up talking about all kinds of different topics uh his his, a lot of jeff's career is in uh software and infrastructure and he has some really cool stories about also recently just told me a cool story about you know with a uh in an administrative system you're running about Uh, getting uh, about attempted hacks and uh, then you know you actually getting a call from federal bureaus asking if you knew what was going on and it's like really neat selling some cool frontline stuff Um, but that's not what we're going to talk about today we were having fun chatting when I was in Montana talking about managers and different styles and things we've seen and we started cracking ourselves up a little bit about some of it so I thought hey this sounds like a good episode. So uh Jeff did you have one in mind you wanted to start with a manager or person you've worked with that had an interesting style
1: Well um I've had yeah I've been in the workforce for a while um so I've I've had my share of good and bad um standouts uh it's interesting first my my first job out of college um I went to work uh, helping a local uh, automotive electric reman company. So they made they remanufactured alternators, starters, generators, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. And and they had um, developed an a piece of software. And we're developing a piece of software that was um, a look, a parts lookup. So if you, I don't know if you remember or or have gone into an auto parts store and you ask them about, you know, they ask you what your car is, blah, blah, blah. And they'll go to big books and they'll look through depending on what you're after. Right. Um, Well, this was an electronic version of that. And it took many of those different parts catalogs and put them all into one electronic system and was very, very fast, allowed you to cross-reference things, all kinds of good stuff. Well, the reason I got hired there because of my uh, computer science degree, blah, 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 went to work for this company. The owner was who I reported to. And he was, I didn't know, been there probably three months, didn't know if I would really like him or if I did because he could be a little gruff and he was very direct um, and was very, he had some definite expectations. But the good thing about it is he let you know what they were. Mm-hmm. And through my history with him, he ended up being one of those people that I really feel like I learned about what it meant to be a good employee.
0: Oh, interesting. In a way, you would want to credit him as having kind of consciously shaped you? Or in more Definitely, of a I, the way like a do- a wild dog who sn- you know, snarls at you and snaps at you teaches you a lot about wild
1: animals? No, he had a definite philosophy that wasn't even his. And he was open enough to tell me. And he asked if I would be interested in reading a couple of books. And he said he bases all his decisions and how he makes decisions on the philosophy of these books. And the company was called Weatherhill and Associates. I still remember it. I don't read a lot of books and I don't remember stuff like this. But it impacted me enough that I remember it. And one of the books was called Right is Might. Hmm. And it wasn't about being right. It was about having and making decisions that were right for the company. When Hmm. it's, when the, the, what, what may be deemed the obvious path may not be the right path or what seems like the right answer isn't always the right answer or the easy answer isn't always the right answer
0: well, the first thing i'm thinking is how advanced this is for somebody who's running an auto parts store versus if you were to be telling a story about joining you know some engineering company
1: Well, and it wasn't, and you got to remember, it wasn't an auto parts store. It was a manufacturing company. He had a hundred employees. Oh, okay. 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 So, so it was, it was, and, and the part that I got hired for wasn't, wasn't the manufacturing part. It was the, this other piece that he was trying to build Mm. and we would actually go to shows like, you know, in, in Las Vegas and in Toronto and we went all over the United States and Canada and we would go to these auto uh, automotive parts shows mm. and we would try and sell these turnkey software systems. Got it. And we, and we sold a bunch of them, you know, and, but he, he really valued thought mm. and being introspective and being, At one point we went to print out and have published part of our electronic catalog. We made a printed one because we found through going to these shows and everything, we had a few people, you know, it wasn't a ton of people that would buy this system. It wasn't cheap, Mm. but we had lots of people that said, we'll buy, we would buy, if this was a catalog, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. And there was more people that could afford that. So we decided to have it published going through this whole process, extracting the data, formatting pages, working with a publisher, doing all of that stuff. That was my job. That was part of what I did. At one point, we were right at the end, and I got the copy to check, the, you know, to go through and, and make sure that it was all correct. Mind you, this is about a 400-page catalog. And I went through, you know, just did. I didn't go through the whole catalog, Adam. I missed a whole section that was duplicated. Hmm. And they started publishing it and binding it. And the first set that came out, like the run, the first run of about 500 of them were all wrong.
0: Is this where the gruff part comes in?
1: No, this is where what he taught me came in. And I went to him after this all happened and I, and I knew it was my fault. He wasn't pointing the finger at me. The publishing company was, and they were like, well, what we received back was that this was that the whole thing as, you know, a completed project was ready to go and it wasn't and i went back and i told him i and you know i was what i was 26 maybe and i said his name was dan i went dan this was my fault um i didn't obviously i didn't do a good enough job proofing it And I would totally understand if you took the cost of those books out of my paycheck. And I never, I don't think I ever would have even thought to do that. Had I not read the books that he suggested I read. Interesting. And, um, there was one other guy in the office. His name was Gary. He was kind of, um, I could have conversations with him like I have with you. And, but he was, you know, 20 years, my senior mm-hmm. and just very comfortable, very open. And cause I had gone to him and I said, I messed this up and I'm trying to figure out how to make it right. And he said, well, look at what elements are involved. And he goes, if you go to Dan and you just tell him, what do you think? I said, he's probably going to fire me. And he goes, he could fire you. But that doesn't benefit him, so why would he? And he goes, think about what Dan wants you to do and what Dan does. Is that the right thing for the company, for him to fire you? I said, no. He said, then you tell Dan what you think the right thing is for you to do for the company in response to this. So I did. And that's where I came up with, okay, I'll pay for what I messed up. It's Mm -hmm. fair. That's not unfair. It may not be easy because I had a, I had just gotten married and, you know, I was a a mortgage and, you know, I gained all those things right out of college. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, it was one of the scariest things I did, but he said, he said, he didn't answer right away. I could tell he was upset. He didn't explode. He didn't even react other than is this guy actually telling me this like he was more surprised that I admitted the mistake Mm -hmm. and owned it than anything else
0: so you went way up in his book
1: yeah yeah and the and he didn't make me pay for it Mm. he said he came back to me and he said Jeff if i was the one doing it i probably wouldn't have done much more than you did
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: in reality and then i would have just gone with it and i would have been i would have been so mad at myself he goes but i'm not mad at you because you owned it
0: yep it is a huge lesson i've i remember yeah i remember different times where i learned that as well right the power of really owning something and uh that, that was actually a very conscious lesson Lesson I also taught my girls and looked for opportunities too. Um, I also think if the world has learned one thing from Charlie Sheen, that should be it. Is that when you think of the horrible things Charlie Sheen has done through his whole life, every time he just owns it and gets away with it. <laughs> Do you notice that?
1: Well, you know what? You can only forgive what you know.
0: Yeah. Charlie Sheen would be like, yeah. I totally punched so and so in the face and did a ton of drugs and <laughs> I did all these horrible things and we're like, oh, Charlie, you know, yeah,
1: he's everybody's crazy uncle.
0: Exactly. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? If there's one thing we all can learn from Charlie Sheen is that if you own it, you'll get the best outcome possible. <laughs> Charlie,
1: Sheen. oh my, oh, I don't so that sounds he like he got... had
0: a tremendous impact on your life.
1: Well, he did because because I took that to every other company I've worked for mm. and looked at ownership. To me, when I work for someone, when I work for a company, I don't just sit there and do like one, uh, something that because of that experience and my experience through other employment that uh, frustrates me is the people that say, oh, that's not my job. Yep. Yeah where i work now
0: you see that a lot i do you feel I, like no, you
1: you i do you see more i think you see it more in, and and i did see it even when i worked at that first job mm-hmm. um i saw it there with line employees people that were on the production line
0: wait were you about to say millennials
1: no oh okay no no um but line line employees, and that now, where I work now, since I'm working at a manufacturing company again, um, I see it there too. Mm. And it's, but like we had a fire where I work now, had a fire in in a dust collection system. And somebody threw in it it was actually one of the filters. Somebody yanked the filter out of the machine, took it outside in a in, in a uh, garbage can a steel a steel drum and put it out in the driveway or kind of by the parking lot to get it out away from the building. And it wasn't burning like flame. It was just smoldering and making all kinds of smoke. I was there and everybody's just standing there. And I'm like, what the heck? So I ran inside, grabbed the little dolly that they put the garbage cans on. Mm-hmm. And grabbed another garbage can, went into the kitchen And filled a garbage can full of water. And then went out to the big thing and filled the the um, drum with water to put the Mm. fire out. Everybody was just standing there letting it burn. And the chief operations guy comes up and goes, Thanks for putting the fire out, Jeff. (laughs) And I'm like, Well, nobody else. He goes, I know. I was kind of surprised. And he goes, but then we got the IT guy, he's out there putting the fire out.
0: <laughs> literally now, literally putting out fires.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. Oh and and so, and that was one of the things that, that they recognized right away, right? It's just yep. one of those things. It's like, yeah, just just doing your little piece of your job at a company, you have value there, yes, but you add so much more. If you just do what needs to be done.
0: Yeah. And the smaller the
1: company, the more impact that has. So
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Your your story, I can think of kind of a funny it took me a while to unravel this one, but to some degree it was somebody that very it's I didn't realize it, but in your story, I'm realizing this could be the opposite as a strategic maneuver. So it was this VP that I worked for. And um <clears throat> He was just like super easygoing, fun, nice guy, always calm, always like, oh yeah, and we're a team. And uh, and something about it kept bothering me. You know, there were so many things in the, you know, in the way this company operated. So, I mean, I base I was uh, two levels beneath him. So my boss was, worked for him. And, <clears throat> but I interacted with him directly a lot and a lot of his peers. And I was always like, oh, yeah, he's so great. But then I was like, why Why am I bothered? I'm kind of bothered by, you know, d- different times when we interact. And it started to dawn on me. He was a master at deflecting any accountability or having any heat go to him. <laughs> yeah. You're and Teflon guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so then I started really kind of like consciously trying to look at it through that filter. And his master plan just became so evident. And so, what he would do is when he wanted something done that, you know, really it could even be rather, rather benign initiative, you know, initiative, he would have people he had set up around him. That they would play the bad guy. So he'd have a project manager or a director <clears throat> that he had clearly defined a relationship with, whether spoken or unspoken, that they would be the gruff one to go against the grain, and he would always protect them in the end because he had the ultimate power. So effectively let them do the pushing and be unpleasant or disliked. He would never have to experience that. And then, but he would reward them on the side. And um, you know, so the more I looked at, the more I saw it, and even all these simple things he would do. When he we had it, there was a new building being built. He had his office built as one of the smaller offices in the group, where like project managers and people who didn't even really have anybody reporting to them had the same size office he did. And he went one step further. He had his office put closest to the bathrooms where the septic cover was. So if they ever had a big septic clog, they would have to dig up his carpet and take out the cap there to dig in the septic system. And he he joked about this and made a point of it. And I realized, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. This is him further and further making it appear as if he doesn't have power, making it appear as he's not, you know, he can't be held accountable for things, removing himself as a target. Um. And just how many different things he did like that, and he had constructed this extremely complex system of non-accountability. <laughs> you know, how could he be the mastermind behind everything if he couldn't even get a good office, right? That, that kind of thing. You know, that very yeah. humble and yeah. um, it's, it's really very, interesting.
1: Very manipulative.
0: Very manipulative and very interesting, and very. It he's so good at it. It really took me, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm good at reading people and, but I was like, I had this bothered feeling and I could never put my finger on it till I really like decided to consciously look at him that way. And all of a sudden it became clear, this network of people he had around him that he constructed all of them into very specific roles that he could play like chess pieces, you know, including yeah. the ones who then when he needed something dirty worked on, he'd have them do it, but then he'd reward them on the side for it. And they knew they'd get rewarded and, and be protected. And yeah.
1: Yeah, dude, you... <laughs> that that guy. I mean, he was devious, yeah, and smart. Holy yep. moly, that's yep. that is. <sighs> I I I have had one manager direct that I reported to directly that was like that. Mm. Um, he had he was in the IT field but his degree was in politics
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> did he have like machiavelli's the prince like on his bookshelf right there in his office or anything or
1: oh he he was he didn't have anything that told anyone anything about him in his office really so he was one of those guys that had all kinds of little knickknacks
0: yes
1: but nothing gave away anything about him or his private life.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And he had the little, like you said, that's interesting. All the things that at quick glance would appear to be,
1: but are not. Yes. Yes. And it's like, what's their significance? None of them were significant. They were there as a distraction. Right. And he, yeah, he ended up, He had laid down so many lies and had so many um, disinformation campaigns going with different groups of people in the IT group that I was in that he lost control of it.
0: Well, that's inevitable, right? That's. I mean, there's nobody. Guards. There's nobody who can keep that kind of stuff going forever, right? You have to be somebody who moves, flies by night to keep that going, right?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and I mean, it and it ended up after he, it it ended up that he left. Mm-hmm. He was he was asked. He was. It was suggested that he resign and find another job. Hmm. And yeah, that's probably a pattern though.
0: You think that was a pattern for him? He just would do that until it would blow up and move on.
1: Yep. And it's and it still is. Yeah. (laughs) I've watched, I've watched where he's gone since then. Yep. And it's interesting because uh, even when he left, it was over a year afterwards. We were still finding things that he had said he had done and completed. Wow. That were not. And a couple of them were really big things. And it was like a couple of like, like one of them was that he had completed this Active Directory migration and it appeared on the surface that he had, but he'd never, he hadn't done any of the back end stuff. So when we started trying to build on it, it wasn't working. And then we went through everything and it was like, what the heck? Yeah, I wonder what it,
0: that what the stress of his life is like, coming into work every day wondering what of the 20 different things you'd said you'd completed and done are gonna be found out.
1: You know, his personality is that of a chameleon. Yeah. And he he I think he got off on it. Mm-hmm. I think he still does. It's like, ha, I can, I'm so much smarter than all these people. I can pull the wool over their eyes for so long and it takes me messing up for them to ever catch on.
0: Right, right, right. That's and crazy.
1: it's, it's just, yeah.
0: So what's, what's one of the, the people that had the most positive impact that you, you described one that was great. What's, what's another one that stands out a manager you had, or even a leader or just a mentor that had a great impact on you?
1: I mean, the one I told you is probably the biggest impact mm-hmm. that, I, that I am conscious of, you know, that I can kind of draw back to. And I think about, actually think about on a regular basis. Um,
0: or but, I could flip it and say, what's a big impact you think you've had on somebody?
1: Oh, I don't. I have. I have never... I don't. I. I don't. I don't know that. That's. I hard. don't think I can answer that either. I don't. I don't that's <laughs> it's. Hard. It's
0: a weird question.
1: Because you don't. You know how often do people come back and. Right. You know people come in and out of our lives and work and everything and and. Sure. Yeah. You know, um. One of the guys when I was doing software development. Um. One of the guys I worked with. he had been a software developer he was probably he's probably 15 years nah, maybe 12 years older than me and he'd been doing software development for a long time he he used to actually draw, write driver software like he used to want, write things in in uh,
0: like assembly
1: yeah yeah he would write things in assembly he he could tell you how to code things in assembly and um, I was working for a company called Wall Data, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and we did like uh, as 400 green screen scraping and and uh, VT52 uh, terminal software, basically. But it was all uh, done so that you could assemble pieces from different uh AS400 screens all into one web page so you could have make a, uh, a an actual modern UI out of a back ended AS400 or VT52 process and this guy World Data was a pretty big company um, you know and and it's all programmers You know, you're just one of hundreds, right? And um, that was the first really large company I'd ever worked for. And it was hard for me to maintain direction and not just feel completely insignificant. Mm -hmm. And he helped me a lot in, in the realm of what I did was important. How I can tell it's important, and what to take away from interactions with people and you know upper management and all that kind of stuff. And um, that was a it. We really became a lot closer, and he we talked a lot more about just what we saw. In where we were going um the company was being taken over by another company in israel and um it eventually got bought out and we were included in the people that got bought out we went through a big layoff and didn't get laid off and blah blah blah
0: that's a big deal because you're not gonna you know it's that's not you're not gonna get that in school And you probably aren't going to even get it in any kind of, no matter what the company is, kind of official education development program, right? It really does come down to, does somebody see you and take you under their wing and, and do that for you? Yeah, and I can think of so many people who did that for me in so many different ways and different facets of skills I needed for my work. And it is kind of funny to think how unofficial all that was. But really necessary for success. You know, it's there's so much that happens unofficially in the development cycle for people. And I imagine now it's less and less for a lot of people because they switch companies pretty quick. So those relationships that require some depth to function that way may not get time to really manifest.
1: Yeah, I never, the relationships I had in that software development group and the team that I was in as a whole, I've never had, well, I mean, it was very unique. That was that was during the dot-com boom. That mm-hmm. was 97, 98. Um, and then through that whole exchange where they got bought out and everything, I moved, a whole group of us moved to a competitor that's still around, Attachmate. We moved to them. Um, so there were definitely people that, I worked with for a while I guess it was probably seven eight years Mm -hmm. no more than that eight years yeah eight years and it was and they they kind of had stayed the same and at two different companies right and we moved as a team
0: that's interesting another
1: company the other company saw the value and said oh you have a whole development team that wants to move yeah okay Let's, we'll interview them all. And then they offered us all jobs. We all started, we built an office in a place they didn't have one. And so it was, it was, um, I haven't had the only other place uh, that, and it too doesn't exist anymore Plum Creek. When I worked for them in IT, that was the longest place I've ever worked. I worked there for almost 13 years. That initial infrastructure group that I worked with, there was ten of us um, for the entire company nationwide. We had fifty-two offices in twenty-seven states, and there were ten of us. And that group of guys was the only other group I've really had a real bond with, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. where you really you actually felt like a team.
0: Wait, what like, was like, the age? What age were you in that time period?
1: Um, initially, when I when it was Wall Data and Attachmate, that I was in my early thirties, and mm-hmm. then, then uh, Plum Creek, I was in my early forties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, late thirties early forties. Yeah. Interesting. They were actually back to back.
0: Oh, interesting. Was,
1: yeah, yeah, and um, and they were the two. They were the largest companies I've ever worked for
0: yeah and that's interesting and you're describing these intimate teams
1: but but that's the weird thing is that you're part of this giant monster right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just very different in how things happen and what people see and all of that and yeah um but understanding i i had a manager when i worked at plum creek the director of it um his name was shannon and shannon He didn't care. He said, you're a salaried employee. I don't care how long it takes you to get your job done. If you get it done in two hours, great. Go home. Mm -hmm. If it takes you an extra week, I'm sorry, but it's going to take you an extra week. My expectation is that you get it done.
0: Did that work well for everybody?
1: Worked fantastic. Interesting. Yeah, we didn't have, there was, everybody understood it. And if somebody was having a problem, the cool thing was that we would ask, we would talk about it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, nobody was afraid of, of failure because in that group, we didn't fail.
0: Right. Cause you operate as a group.
1: Yeah. Because someone else would help.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, um, I've never, <laughs> speaking of how it was a very cohesive team. One of the things, you know, adversity adversity tends to draw people together, especially if they experience it at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And he, this this is a very first world adversity, let me tell you, but we had to move into a na- new data center, over Thanksgiving weekend in 2008.
0: That that's kind of rough. I mean that's hard, right? That's time away but from family, that's stress, that's yeah. So I mean, that's... so
1: this is what they did. We were doing all these we were moving all these servers and all this equipment and everything over the whole Thanksgiving weekend. So on Thanksgiving, they brought they had our Thanksgiving dinner catered. Oh, that's great. And for our families. Oh, wow. So we had all the kids there, all the wives there, you know, everybody. And if anybody had parents or somebody that was there, they came too.
0: My God, that's awesome. So
1: it was this huge Thanksgiving. It was massive. Yeah. And we took four hours on Thanksgiving and had Thanksgiving dinner and everything together. And we had it together with our families and together as a team. And it was somewhat surreal. But it was, it was definitely a point where everybody kind of, everybody bonded, right? Because we were in it together. And then when we got done with that, everybody was revitalized and was like, okay, let's just hammer this thing and get it done. And we worked late and we actually got Sunday off because we worked so hard on Friday and Saturday. get everything moved installed put in place we got everything on our checklist done ahead of schedule because we worked late and came in early on that's so great we could at least have a day off before we had to come back on monday yeah and that was and 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 all of that was the director of of it he was willing to let us like like I said earlier, you guys have this weekend to get it done. If you get it done early, great. Yeah. If we can get it done early, if somebody has a way that this can happen, then let's do it.
0: That's good. I mean, that's the thing. When you can tap into people's desire and camaraderie and feeling respected and owning results, it is really amazing. I mean, that's why startups can accomplish so much with so little, right? Is that there, Mm -hmm. that ownership and that camaraderie and... It's a challenge for big companies to create that. And that's really cool uh, that they were able to. That's good. We covered yeah. some good stuff, Jeff. Thank you. I'm really <laughs> glad we uh, chose to do this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's, it's some of it stuff I haven't thought of in a long time.
0: Yeah. Right. I knew it was fun. We didn't know where this was going to go. This is a good. Yeah. I'm sure people, so many people listening are thinking about their experiences. And hey, maybe, uh, yeah, comment. Comment on these. We'd love to hear if anybody wants to share some of their stories of bosses or leaders that had big positive or negative impacts and uh it is pretty interesting to dissect and see how much it has shaped us oh. That's good. all right well thank you jeff i greatly appreciate you taking the time to do the episode and i know you'll be back again
1: <laughs> you bet bud
0: all right take care bye